I did. All right, there we go. It's up now. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another installment of The Bright Side. My name is Joshua Bright. I'll be your host today. I am joined, as always, by Jim from High and Wide. Jim, how you doing, sir? Outstanding, dude. We've got a lot to talk about. It's been a couple weeks since our last show. A lot of catching up. Looking forward to another show with you, dude. Yeah, there's been a lot of great stuff happening. We've had a, got some cap space freed up. We've had a player retire. We've had an NHL draft happen in a weekend, and it felt like it carried on forever. But uh, Oh, my God. Wasn't it the longest thing? Man, uh, how many hours was it, Dino? Did anyone keep track? I feel like, what time did that end tonight? Didn't it end? Uh, I know it started up at 11, and when I got home from work, it was still on. That was around like 4 or 5. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, think that... lasted a good 6, 7. The See, second round itself was like five minutes between picks, and I think that that was ridiculous. Get out, really? It still went five minutes in the second round? Yeah, some teams were taking timeouts. There was a few trades during it, and yeah, I feel like every team let the, the clock tick down as long as they could. Yeah, it was definitely like that in the the first round, and I could almost understand that because first round I'm fine with. Hey, take yeah. your time on that. Like, give the kids their moment of the spotlight, you know? Yeah, it's something to watch, something to do. Yeah, I can understand that, but then yeah, in the second round today, I'm like. Wait, how are we still within the first five picks and like an hour and a half goes by, you know? <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, since we're on the topic of the draft, so you uh you were doing a show a few days ago and you predicted or you mentioned the Flyers were taking this kid, Tyler Forster, who I'm gonna be straight up with you. I love prospects and love researching them. He's not a kid I had on my list, so why don't you tell me a little about Tyler, since you definitely know a little bit more about him than I do. Yeah, so that was kind of crazy, wasn't it? So I just happened to we were doing a show, I think it was last week, we were kind of doing like uh, the third show of the week, uh, like our draft kind of show, and I think Jack gave a couple players, and I, I think he wanted, and I think most of us wanted Noel Gundler, right? Gundler? Big time, big time. Yeah, and so he ends up slipping, and it's almost like the same thing that happens last year. It's like, okay, the guy we all want's right there, like this kid can score, like go get him, and I didn't think there was a chance that they would go for a Forrester. I'm like, ah, this is a guy I like. They're not going for him, you know, big body kid. And when I hear his name, I'm like, holy shit. Like, I think I said that on the on the last episode. So <laughs> <laughs> so Tyson Forrester, he's a right winger uh, from the Barry Colts in the OHL, 6'2", 194. And, and if anyone listens to me talk, like, that's usually the first thing I mention when I talk about a prospect because – I want the I want them to be ready for the NHL, right? I like the big frame. I like the big guys. You got a size so, king. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to wait for him to grow into his body or you know or anything. He's already six two, one ninety four. He's already built for the for the NHL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in sixty two regular season games last year, he led the team in every offensive category. Uh, that's the Barry Colts. Thirty six goals, forty four assists for eighty points, including eighteen power play goals and 16 power play assists so i'm getting all this from the flyers website here just so everybody knows you guys can go check it out yourself uh his 80 points were 33 more than the next closest teammate and were 57 points more than his rookie season so he improved by you know a pretty vast margin between his his first and second year which you like to see in a player you know uh big body kid can use his body uh, I think they compared him to TJ Oshie is what I saw. See, that's what excited me because I've, I've been a TJ Oshie fan for years. But I know on the uh, on the actual draft network, they were comparing him to Corey Perry. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I did see that. That that got everybody excited, I think. I mean, you know, Sands, like the dirty stuff. Like, you got to like Corey Perry's game, especially in the playoffs, right? Prime Corey Perry was a, was a hard trophy winner and an unbelievable player. There you go, man. 
Yeah, I love that comparison, dude. Because you know what the Flyers are missing? They're missing a guy like that, right? I mean, JVR is obviously a big body guy, but he doesn't have like I don't want to call him soft, but he's not there, tough no around the net, you know, like right? Yeah, there's no bite to him. Right. That's yeah. That's kind of what I mean. Like when I think of like net front presence, I'm thinking Wayne Simmons, Scott Hartnell type player, you know. Uh, and this kid's got a bomb. He's got an absolute bomb of a shot, right? Yeah. And how can you not be excited for that? So when I said his name on the show last week, you know, if you look at the typical uh, draft rankings, you could look at anybody's. Uh, and he was kind of later on in the first round, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like if if I'm a GM and I have my choice of a guy. I think I would take my shot with him, you know. Now, you might have some guys that are like, eh, maybe, well, then trade back and wait for him. But I'm like, you know what? You have the pick. Get your guy and get out. You know, don't take any – you see what happened last year. Don't take any chances. Get your guy and that's it. And I'm glad they did it. Yeah, I think the crazy part was hearing Chuck Fletcher talk about Tyler Forrester and saying at the end of the draft, they took the best player available at every pick. And a little surprising maybe to me that Tyler Forrester was the best player available. I think he's the best need for the Flyers because I think they need a big body goal scorer. But going back to, you know, watching Noel Gunler fall, there was it wasn't just Gunler that was falling. Like mm. there was three or four reaches right before the Flyers pick at 23. And it left Perot, Maverick Bork, Connor Zary, so many like these high skilled players that you think could be top six players that that was the only shock in me to them taking Forrester, but it, it took all of five to ten minutes of research to make me fall in love with the kid because he just seems like yeah, everything Flyers fans have ever wanted. Like, if there's one thing this fan base always cries about, it's needing a goal scorer. And unless you want to trade your entire team for one, which we will definitely get into later, you got to draft and develop them. And I think Tyler Forrester is the way to go. And I'm psyched for the kid. I mean, his only knock on him is skating. But we've seen that with Lindblom. We've seen that with a lot of NHLers now. Skating's fixable. You know, you can't teach a one-timer, and you can't teach the hockey IQ that this kid obviously has. Yeah, and I think I was just as surprised as everybody else. You know, I, of course, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I forgot about Forrester because I'm looking at names like Connor Zary, uh, Jacob Perot, right, uh, Brandon Brisson, Maverick Bork was the guy I really wanted. And then, of course, you know, actually, we did a, the HW mock draft. I'm waiting for them to pick Ridley Gregg, the guy that you had in the uh, the mock. Uh, looking like, back, I maybe want to switch that pick. Well, I mean, <laughs> Knowing it, what I know it, now, but still a good kid, yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. Like, his dad's actually the – like, the scouting report I, I was reading, uh, and we'll read later on on uh, Emile Andre, was from uh, Mark Gregg, which is Ridley, uh, Ridley Gregg's dad. So it would have made – Perfect sense. Now, I think some stuff came out. Is that what you wanted to talk about with with Ridley? Oh, no, no, no. I was just okay. kind of looking back on the mock draft pick I made, you know, seeing that there was Brendan Brisson and uh, Dawson Mercer available. Maybe I went a little too Flyers pick on that based on I should have probably went with a player that I liked more. But I didn't know as much as I know now. But I still think Ridley's going to be a great player. Good on Ottawa for getting him. Dude, I, I was like... I thought it made perfect sense for the reason why he took him in the draft. I, like I said, I was waiting for it to happen. Like I could just see it coming. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised by the way they went. You know what else I was really just happy for? That they didn't reach on a guy, you know? Like they didn't draft a Igor Chinakov, you know? <laughs> like, who the fuck is that? I know. Like nobody could find anything on him. And then, you know, uh, like the, the Devils took a player. I'm going to try to say his name. Maybe I shouldn't. Shakir. Uh, Mukamadulin, yeah. like 
he was at least his name was you know on draft boards like maybe later on in the draft he looked like but a it, real good top 60 pick maybe yeah I, I mean at least the flyers didn't do anything like that so i was just grateful that they actually took a a player and i think they might have got a damn good one here so I'm, i was happy with the first round sure yeah, if everything works out with with uh, Tyson, I think I called him Tyler the first time. If everything works out with Tyson Forster, I mean, you got a great player here. And uh, so the second player I took in that mock draft was a defenseman from the U.S. National Program. I believe his name was uh, Tyler Clevin. And he ended up going pretty early at uh, 40 to, I want to say, Ottawa. I think they yep. traded up for him. And the Flyers ended up grabbing a real interesting player at, was it pick, pick 54, Emile Andre. So... What can you tell us about this kid? Because I another player I didn't know too much about. I had a lot of uh, respectful voices that told me about him that made me very confident in the pick. But what's your first impression of a five five foot nine defenseman? So obviously the first guy that pops in your head when you see when you hear five nine puck moving defenseman left handed shot is for me Shane Gossespear popped into my head, and you know. When Shane Gossespierre came into the league, he was a pretty outstanding player, right? And, I, and I'm not going to compare because I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't watch, you know, any of Emile Andre. But from what I heard from Alex Appleyard, Alex was ecstatic for this pick. I don't know if you saw on Twitter. If Alex is excited for a pick, you better be. <laughs> yeah, right? So in our mock draft, Alex was drafting for the Golden Knights, and he took Andre with the 29th pick. And... The Flyers got him with pick 54, so that should tell you a little bit about, you know, what a guy like Alex Appleyard thinks of Emile Andre, and, you know, this is a guy that Alex watched a lot over there. Alex is obviously over in Europe, so this is a kid from Europe. Alex watched him, you know, probably more than a lot of us, for sure. Uh, so I'll just read you some of Mark Gregg's scouting report here. Uh, he likes his offensive dynamic. He's a good skater, heads-up player that's real crafty puck handler. He has vision. Uh, at times, you can see him slow the game down and transition and then go forward. He he can also be dynamic off the offensive blue line and find offense. Uh, I think that's the strength of his game. He's a little undersized, but he's pretty aware so he doesn't get himself into trouble. Uh, NHL Central Scouting says he's an offensive-minded mobile defenseman. Compensates, compensates, compensates a lack of size with skating, vision, puck handling, and fine overall skills. A creative player who is smart in traffic. For me, and you know, it sounds like you as well. They got a player here. I was I was happy with that pick also. Sounds like the only knock on the kid is his size. I mean, yeah. when they talk about his offense, they talk about his defense and his transition play. I don't hear a single bad thing about him. I think Alex said he was the third best defenseman in the draft. Now let's talk. If he's six foot, where is he going? Is he a top fifteen pick? Wow, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, he he seems to have a really really high upside and. You know, when you're a team like the Flyers who are in contention, you can kind of take these players that'll take a few years to develop and get ready. And by the time they're here, they have this high floor. And I think Emil Andre is an outstanding, outstanding pick. I think TSN had him ranked at 64. Flyers got him at 54. I know a lot of people liked him a lot more than uh, TSN rankings, but I'm not going to put too much stock into what Craig Button thinks. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for Emil. I love watching uh, Swedish hockey. I think he's playing on the same team as Linus Hogberg. So well, Flyers fans should have plenty of reason to tune into some Swedish games. Um, yeah. Let's go into this next pick, because this was an interesting one. The Flyers didn't have a third round pick, and they end up trading, I believe it's their fourth round and their fifth round pick, up into the third for one, the coolest name in the draft by far, Zade yeah. Wisdom. Dude, love this pick, dude. You know who really likes him is Brandon Holmes. Brandon was in our mock draft. Yeah. 
this is a guy that Brandon was dying for Buffalo to draft. Uh, so, and I think he might have even called the round. I think he may have even called round four. He said, uh, "Go, you guys will have to go back and listen to the prospect shows with Brandon Holmes. But he said, you know, he's not really a sleeper, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be available in the third or fourth round. And he called it. He said, Zade Wisdom is going to be a guy that, you know, I would think the Flyers could draft. And boom, with the 94th overall pick, Zade Wisdom is, uh, you know, hopefully going to be a Philadelphia Flyers right winger. Uh, 5'10", 195 pounds. Again, another NHL-ready body. Yeah, and I, That's thick for 5'11". Yeah, man. I look for that. I call it uh, the man body, you know. Like, a lot of these kids, I'm thinking Frost, Farabee, they kind of have to grow into their frame a little bit. And, uh, you know, they come up to the league and they're getting small, like, eight minutes a night, nine, ten minutes. you got to kind of slowly work them in. When you're built, you can you can come right into the fourth line, third line, and play a role, you know. At least that's my opinion. Um, this kid's excited. I'm going to try to bring up a quote that I saw, uh, on Facebook here, but he's excited to be a Philadelphia flyer. And I love that. You know, like I I feel like he said broad street bullies three times in his, that's his initial saying that's got to psych you up a little bit now. Yeah. He knows a little bit about the history, right? Yeah, I I didn't know much about the kid. If you look at his numbers, they're pretty staggering. I mean, his first rookie year, he had three goals and seven assists for 60 games in the OHL. Very next season, 62 games, he has 59 points. Now, the one thing I'll take into with his scoring is that he is centered by Shane Wright. Mm. Now, Shane Wright is 15 years old. He's an exceptional OHL talent who I believe it's going to be two years from now is he's draft eligible, but consensus number one generational talent behind McDavid. So you don't know how much of those numbers are inflated by playing with a generational talent. What you do know is the kid has an absolute motor. I mean, he, the confidence that he exuberated in that interview was unbelievable. Like psyched to be a flyer, so psyched to play in the NHL. And he's talking as if he's already earned his spot. I mean, that's the kind of swagger you love to see from a kid. And, you know, he's had a tough upbringing. He mentioned they went without power for, for, you know, some time. And he said, that's never going to happen again because I'm going to be an NHL player. And that, that's swagger right there. And for a guy named Zade Wisdom, that's that's fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, man. So here's the quote. I always knew Philly was in consideration. I play their type of hockey. Big body, the Broad Street Bullies. Big body hockey. Super excited to be picked by the Broad Street Bullies. Dude, yeah. I, I'm excited, man. And I don't think there's any coincidence all year long. If this team missed anything, it was big body guys, like you know, high energy guys, right? First round they go out and get a big body Tyson Forrest who can snipe a little bit. Fourth round they go out and get a guy like Zade Wisdom, throws his body around, can put the puck in that energy guy. I'm st- I can't wait. I don't know if I'm more excited to see him play or Tyson Forrester play. To tell you the truth, I love these type of players. Zade's got to drop that that number because I'm getting that jersey immediately, man. I'm psyched for that kid. I, I love players who have confidence like that, and he yeah. has it. I'm psyched. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a difference between kind of like cockiness and then just pure confidence, and that's how he kind of came off, right? He was just a really confident kid, and he has the belief. I, I can't wait to watch him, dude. I I really he's going to be in, uh, in the Flyers orange and black one day, and I can't wait to watch him. He does, and uh. There was a he got a pretty ringing endorsement from a Flyers f- favorite, uh, Wayne Simmons, saying Philly's gonna love the kid. I mean, that if he you're knows. gonna take someone's opinion on it, Wayne will know. Absolutely, man. He knows better than anybody. He will. So, moving on to the next pick, who 
you know, I think it was this another trade up for the Flyers. They traded, uh, I want to say it was two seventh round picks to trade into the fifth round for this kid's f- French. So I'm going to do my best. <laughs> I want to say it's Elliot Denoyer. It sounds, like sounds good to me, dude. Yeah, this is, I'd say, the least exciting pick of the night. It seems like the Flyers had a kind of a theme of, you know, high reward, high ceiling players. Elliot kind of struck me as the player, you know, he's like, he's, the prototypical Hextall pick. He's kind of a two-way forward, focuses on offense, focuses on defense. But a cool caveat there is he was playing for the Monks and Wildcats at the time, who were a very deep team. And I believe he was playing fourth-line minutes, scoring 35 points in 61 games. Now, since the QMJHL started up again, he's playing for the Halifax Mooseheads, and he has two, two points in two games. So Maybe you could see some offensive output from this guy. He seems like he has the motor. He seems like he has the talent to play at a high level for the Mooseheads. And this can end up being another pick where, you know, he's putting up offensive numbers and he's going to see a real improvement from his last season. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't know much about Elliot, but uh, I'm, I'm reading over a Brent Flair quote here. And it seems like they like his potential and his ability to get better and better over time. So not that they're, like you mentioned, he's a high uh, high ceiling, low floor kind of guy or a high floor. Uh, he just, I think they're taking the risk here that, or the assumption that he's just going to continue to get better, you know, just because that's what he's shown from the start of this year. You mentioned uh, he, he played on the fourth line for Moncton. Uh, I'm reading here. He was then traded to Halifax and was given a bigger role, and that's where he showed improvement and whatnot. So I think they're taking a chance there to hope that he continues to get better and better. Yeah, and reading on Elite Prospects, they said, if you want a player who will selflessly run headfirst through a brick wall, if that's what's necessary for line mates to succeed, then look no further than Denoyer. So. Wow. If anything else, he loves he loves his team and he loves playing for his team and you know he's he's gonna win that uh that team character award if nothing else seems like a psyched up kid. How about that dude? Another uh another trait, another passionate player. There's a theme here, man. There really is a theme. They're looking for passionate players. Yeah, you know Philly's Philly's a city that always really respected these high character guys and you can see with Pick and Zade, you can see with Pick and Elliot that no matter who the general manager is, no matter who the president is, that's the theme in this city is they're not going to get guys who care more about their own stats than the team. And that's great moving forward, especially when you're trying to build something here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exciting. So I had thought that the Flyers had no more picks in this draft because they traded they traded up so many times. But we did have a six-round pick, which we took a kid who was falling in the draft. So ranked number 92 by TSN and Craig Button, Connor McMill- is it McCl- McLennan. Yep. Connor McLennan from the Kootenay Ice of the WHL, finished last season 42 games, 21 goals with 28 assists. And first and foremost, McLennan's a shooter. Even if he's not necessarily a high-end finisher, he has a powerful wrister and a one-timer to make him a threat from mid-range, while well-timed net front movement and hand-eye coordination make him a capable net front presence. Now, when I read that for a guy who's five foot eight, I know so many players that were under 5'10", every analyst wanted to call them Braden Point. But it sounds like a poor man's Braden Point a little bit. An undersized kid who loves to shoot, loves to get to the net, loves to, you know, get his nose dirty. That's a really exciting pick for me. Yeah. 
I think anytime you're compared to a Braden Point type player, you know, your eyebrows are going to kind of raise a little bit or, you know, your attention's going to peak a little bit. So I don't know much about this guy either. Uh, apparently, though, he plays for Nolan Patrick's uncle, James Patrick, for the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, it's a little oh, bit I'm of a... sorry. Kootenay moved to Winnipeg. You're right. Like, Winnipeg. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so same team, though. They just moved. Uh, so that's a little interesting factoid. Uh, close friends with 2020 Ottawa Senators pick Ridley Gregg. So another little connection there. Uh, eight goals in five games for Canada at the 2018-19 under-17s. Uh, so, I mean, this kid can score a little bit. He a feat matched only by the top Montreal Canadiens scoring prospect Cole Caulfield. So Connor McClendon can put the puck in the net, guys. That's an interesting pick here. He, he fell almost, what, 79? You said he was ranked 92 or 99? Uh, by TSN, he's ranked 92, ranked 80 by Elite Prospect. So pretty. the yeah, consensus this... was anywhere from 70 to low hundreds. Interesting. So it looks like he was injured before the pandemic, and I'm wondering if that's why he potentially fell a little bit. So very interesting pick there that I really don't know much about, but... So Bill Meltzer categorizes pick as a swing for the fences. Yep, and he has here ranked 92 by Craig Button, ranked 121 by McKean's. Already wears an A for Winnipeg and is in another uh, series of highly competitive players in this year's Flyers draft crop. So it sounds like Meltzer likes him. Interesting pick. Yeah, I think I think you're noticing a theme here with the Flyers picks, you know, we only had five selections this year's draft, which is way different from the last five or six years. You know, usually we're taking nine to 10 guys. We're having multiple picks. Now that this is a competitive franchise who we have the young talent on the roster, we have, you know, the cupboard stocked with young talent. This is the time where you can start, you could start taking those swing for the fences. You know, every single guy we took in this draft has a lot of bust potential, but massive boom potential. Yeah. And I think that's really important for the Flyers because, you know, you don't have to take them bottom six wingers anymore. That the, that abundance of two-way guys that can fit on a third or fourth line that we have, we don't have to take anymore. You know, we could start taking swings at top sixers. We could start taking swings at top two defensemen. And we did that today. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that Chuck Fletcher has kind of continued with the Hextall mindset of, you know, we're going to build through the draft. We're going to keep developing young talent. But Chuck Fletcher isn't afraid to make moves for the now either. So this is a really, really exciting offseason so far, and we don't have to wait too much longer to see what he's going to do next because free agency starts this Friday, October 9th. Philadelphia Flyers have, because of Matt Niskanen's retirement, 8.6 million cap space. Now, a little bit of that is going to be allocated to Nolan Patrick. A little bit's going to be allocated to Phil Myers. So assuming what they're going to get, we'll have maybe 3.5 to 4 million cap space Assuming we make no moves, what's your thoughts going into free agency? What do you think this team needs? Man, through free agency, they're going to need a, a right-handed shot defenseman. I think currently on the roster they only have two in Phil Myers and the recently – well, I'm sorry. Phil Myers is still an RFA. He's not actually signed yet, but let's assume that he is. Two right-handed shots, Phil Myers and Justin Braun. Uh and they need a top four defenseman. So whether that's going to be the second pairing or the top pairing, I don't know if people realize yet just how big a loss Matt Niskanen is to this team. And like I think we were, 
I don't know about you, but I definitely was one of the first people out there that was like, ah, oh, you know what? Like Matt Niskanen's gone. Thanks for the five million dollars in cap, right? Mm-hmm. But after thinking about it for a little bit, and we had uh, Colby Cohen on Monday, I believe. After thinking about it and talking about it, it's like, dude, they just lost a really important piece of that defense in Niskanen. You know, you're talking about he's got all the intangibles of what you want in a veteran top four pairing defenseman, right? And they lost that. They need a defenseman now that can play on the PK. That's why they brought Braun back so they didn't lose two PKD. They need a right-handed shot, top four defenseman that can eat up tough minutes and play on the PK. They don't grow on trees, you know, and uh, I'm not sure if that guy's out there on in free agency. Uh, you know, obviously everyone's going to want Pietrangelo, right? Um, I think maybe the Flyers should look at the next guy on the free agency list as far as defensemen. And for me, that's Tory Krug. You know, I don't think that he's unreasonable to bring in. I think he's... Uh, He's a Philly guy. The only thing with Tory Krug, though, dude, and I would love to have him on the team, is he's another left-handed. Uh, I believe he's a left-handed shot. Let me just double check here because yeah, I don't he, want to miss. Yeah, Tory Krug's lefty. Yeah, so that's the only thing there, and you know, it would kind of defeat the whole purpose. I, I don't know. I guess definitely a defense. They definitely need to bring in a defense if it's free agency. What do you think? Yeah, um, it sucks losing Niskanen. Um, Assuming you were going to get what you, this year what you got out of him last year, you know, you're losing a top two defenseman who played second power play, paid top penalty kill, played close to 20 minutes a night, if not more. That's a huge loss. I mean, I, I personally didn't think he was going to repeat how he did last year. I thought you maybe see a little decline just like he did in the playoffs, but that's still an important player, and it, it sucks to lose. Um, free agency-wise, I mean, there's not a lot of options here to replace Matt Niskanen unless you want to pay nine to 10 million a year. And yeah. you can't do that if you're going to sign Carter Hart next year. So uh, l- listen, I love Alex Petrangelo. He's one of my favorite defensemen in the NHL. He's a damn good hockey player. He's just, he's going to command 9.5 to 10 million a year. Um, I like Tori Krug a lot too. I don't think he's that far off from Petrangelo's number in terms of asking price. And that's where I'd be nervous about Tori, especially mm-hmm. since he's a left-handed defenseman. Um, he, he's an incredible player. I don't think he's a top two defenseman. I think he's play, He's a great number three, a little bit like Sanheim, except a lot more offensively inclined. So I don't know if I'd look at – I'd rather spend the money on Petrangelo if, if I'm spending that type of money. That's true. The issue is, unless you're making a trade, there's not a lot of other names out there. You know, Sammy Votnin is a free agent. He's a right-hand defenseman, top four guy. You know, he played in Carolina after the deadline, spent the last two or three seasons in New Jersey – he has some real productive years in Anaheim, and he's a guy I could see commanding maybe five mil or less if you want to go that route for two years. Mm-hmm. Another defenseman who I wouldn't hate, but I don't think he's Niskanen's tier, is Kevin Shattenkirk. You know, Kevin just won a Stanley Cup with Tampa. He looked better than he looked in New York. He, he, he you know, they gave him a real fat contract to come home, and he really performed there. But he played great for Tampa in the Stanley Cup. He played, I want to say, top four minutes. And, you know, he's another right shot veteran defenseman who plays a little bit of PK, a little bit of power play. I don't think he would command over 2.5 or 3 mil a year. So I think if you're trying to replace Matt Niskanen and you're not comfortable giving Phil Myers 20 minutes a night to play next to Ivan, then you got to go get Shattenkirk or you got to go trade for a guy like Matt Dumba. And that's going to cost you some assets. Yeah, that's true. 
you know, you bring up good points with Chad and Kirk because, I mean, he's basically everything that you're looking to replace Niskanen with, right? He just He's fresh off winning a cup. So he's been through it. He's been through the grind. He's, you know, he played for uh, the best team in the league last season. Uh, he played with, I think, I believe he played with Victor Hedman this year. Uh, yeah, I think in the playoffs he was Sergachev's uh, the they, they looked, they looked dynamite together. There you go. So he's playing, you know, he's helping out playing with a younger kid. Uh, dude, he could be the ideal fit with this team. Now, it might be a great call by you with Sharon Kirk. Uh, I think he's kind of local. I think he's. Judging by what what Colby was saying on Monday, I think he's from New York, so he's close. He lives yeah. in New York. Uh, dude, I would bet money that you could be right with that. He could be the ideal fit, Kevin Shattenkirk. Not a name that no one that anybody's talking about either. And that's usually how that happens. It's not the sexy pick. You know, the sexy pick is you're getting Petrangelo, or you're trading for Matt Dumba, but that's not happening. You know, like. You, I, realistically how are you allocating 10 million a year for six seven years for alex petrangelo I, that's not tangible so right. i think you kind of have to look at your realistic options you know maybe phil myers is ready for a top two role so you bump i you bump uh myers up with uh provorov you know that's something i was looking at two to three years down the line once myers kind of established himself a little bit more yeah but i think he'll eventually be with ivan you know now let's say hypothetically ivan's playing with phil next year and uh, you got Travis Sanheim playing with Justin Braun and maybe a Robert Hag, Shane Goss's fair bottom pairing. I don't love them together, but, you know, I I imagine Ghost is going to be on this roster now that we lost Niskanen. So let's say that's the core that we roll with, or, you know, maybe we do trade Ghost for cap space. Are there any forwards in free agency that sound enticing to you if a trade doesn't go down with Winnipeg? Um, let me just get to the forwards here. Cause honestly, I haven't really thought much about free agency. I've mostly, hang on here. Let me just bring I mean, up some I mean, who would have thought a lot about free agency before Niskanen retired? We were, we were caps drafts before that. Yeah. Right. So I've seen a name come up and I'm going to just bounce this one off you. Cause the flyers kind of need a three, four C, right? What do you think about a guy Miko, a 37-year-old Miko Koivu coming in. You think he can help out at all? I have him on my list of guys who I think the Flyers could go after. He's he's the least exciting of it all, mm-hmm. but he would like a Stanley Cup, I would assume. He wants to contend. He's probably only going to want a year. He probably would play for a minimum a lot like Jason Spezza did with Toronto, maybe a little bit more considering he's not from Philly. He's from Finland. But um, you know I could that. see a Koivu fourth-line center for Philly. I think it makes sense for both sides. And now that Neskin's retired, I think you have a little bit more cap to spend on your centers. I think the most realistic, unsexy option is Miko Koivu and Kevin Shattenkirk in free agency for like a total of four to five million dollars allocated to them. You know, and you're right. It's not the sexy pick, but it, it's another one that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Like he, mm-hmm. Fletcher was the GM up there for however many years, so he knows the guy. He knows what he's going to bring. That was the only captain they've ever had, so he must. Right. And, and you know what? I think this team, and it's not a knock on this team, uh, but they could use a guy like Koivu, the guy that's been around the block. Like I've always used the – I've kind of phrased it as they need a captain for the captains, you know, the guys like Jeru Voracek, uh, Kutz, and, and uh, now Hayes. Like they need a guy, you know, like they need a guy to be able to go to, and Koivu could be that guy, you know. So that's that's not a bad pick at all. I'm not the sexiest pick, but he could absolutely help this team, I think. Sure. Uh, 
Yeah, he could uh, be an exciting player, but now let's talk sexy because there's a certain forward who does not want to resign in Arizona. He is very interested in a one- or two-year contract. He won a Hart Trophy in 2017. Taylor Hall is looking to win a Stanley Cup, looking to find somewhere to compete. Now, Nashville and Colorado, I think, are where he ends up since they have the space. But we have some space for a year. If we move out Shane Goss' bear, we have eight to nine million cap space. Realistically, even for a season, you could bring Taylor Hall into this team to compete and take advantage of the fact that Carter Hart has one year left on his entry level before he gets paid. Bring him in. Kind of makes sense, don't it? Trade Ghost for the rights. Bring him in. Do what you did last year with Hayes. I don't think it's a crazy thing to mention. I think it's unrealistic. But if Taylor Hall had come out and said, you know, no, like he did like Corey, like Tory Krug, say, no, I'm betting on myself. I want my long-term deal. I want my money now. Then I won't be talking about this. But he is comfortable taking one year. And I wouldn't be shocked if some other names on those lists kind of thought the same way he did in this flat cap era. And, you know, there's some interesting names because Flyers fans want a goal scorer. You have Taylor Hall out there in free agency. You have Mike Hoffman out there in free agency. You have Evgeny Evgeny Dadanov out there in free agency. Those are three names who can put up 60 to 70-plus points, 25 to 30 goals. I think if you want, if you move out Ghost, because if you're comfortable with rolling with what you got sans Ghost, you can bring in one of those high-caliber forwards for a year or two. Yeah, and you can, and the key is going to be getting rid of ghosts there. Um, Dadanov's a guy I've, I've always liked. Uh, Hoffman's a guy I've always liked. I think he's going to get paid, Hoffman, right? Like, he's got to. What I was thought, he making? I thought he would have. I think he was making about 5.5 mil with Florida. You know, I, I think Hoffman's next contract would have looked like six years, 6.5 mil, but... Now you got a flat cap for the next three years. Maybe he's looking for somewhere to, you know, fit for a year and, you know, prove, hey, I'm still the guy who can snipe. I mean, look, he did great in the playoffs in that limited time against the Islanders. I mean, he has a fucking bomb. He's that's something the Flyers miss. Yeah, he sure does. I'm trying to bring him up. Oh, here he is. Okay, 30 years old. Uh, Let me see. 29 goals last year in in 69 games, 36 the year before. This is a guy that, you know, I think most Flyer fans have had their eye on the last couple of years just because he's a like the, the typical guy they kind of need, like a snipe-type player. Uh, I would love to have Mike Hoffman. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to ever say no. I don't need a Mike Hoffman, but do I think they're going to get him? Nah, probably not. No, nah, most likely not. But, you know, if, if they have money to spend and they want to go out for a free agent forward, you know, it's it's Taylor Hall's at the top of the list, and he's a little bit unrealistic. But if he wants a one year, it could be possible. But then you got Mike Hoffman, then you got Tyler Toffoli, you got Evgeny Dadanov, and they're all around the same range. It's just who wants the long term deal and who wants the one year prove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's going to be tricky, you know, with the Flyers cap situation. Uh, I wonder if Chuck would be more inclined to give somebody an extra year or two for you know a couple maybe a million or two less a year. Uh, and, and I don't know, like when you, when you start talking about these older guys, I mean, uh, Hoffman's 30. We were just talking about Petrangelo. He's 30. How old is Taylor Hall getting up there? It seems like he's been around forever. I want to say Taylor Hall's 20 or 29. He's yeah, same, you're right. 28. Same, uh, draft year as Coots. Yeah, 28. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. They're you not know, young guys, but they got years left in the tank. 
You want to hear something nuts? Aside from Taylor Hall's Hart Trophy winning season when he scored 93 points and his 2013-14 season where he scored 80, this is very, very similar numbers to Mike Hoffman. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. You don't know how much of that is playing for the Oilers teams before McDavid that were god-awful. That's playing true. for the most boring franchise in history of hockey, the New Jersey Devils, and playing last year for pretty similar boring team, Arizona. You know, they're not high-flying offense teams, but uh, yeah, I don't think Hoffman's that far off from him. I think Hoffman's got a better shot. I think he's more of a shoot-first player. So if you're picking between the two, hey, Taylor Hall's better. But I want to say Hoffman's more of a fit for what we need. We need help on the power play shooting. And, you know, we you want a sniper, there's one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it wouldn't cost you any assets. You could just go out and sign them. I'd be, dude, I'm on board for, you want to bring in offense? Go for it, man. At least if, if the Flyers aren't going to win, I just want to be entertained, you know. Hopefully they can do both. Yeah, and I think I think there's actually some options in free agency that are a little sexy, but still realistic. So you really can't bank on Nolan Patrick's health right now. You know, AV has said multiple times, I'm only worried about the guys that are on the ice right now, and that's a very important thing going into next year. So that 3C is a big hole, you know, because you're, you're not resigning Derek Grant, and he was never going to be a third-line center to begin with. So unless you're moving G back to center, you know, you don't have a third-line center. So two guys I really like are Mikhail Granlund, who was recently coming off a year with the Nashville Predators and is heading to free agency. He, got, he had a little bit of a down year. But he's a playmaker. You know, he's playing second line, second power play, and he can score. And then a little less sexier of a name, but a guy I've heard the Flyers have been linked to a little bit. And someone Aline Vigneault and Kevin Hayes would absolutely love to bring in is Jesper Foss. Now, Foss isn't a super exciting player, but it's kind of like Michael Roffel on steroids. Like, he does a lot what Roffy does, but he scores a little bit more. You know, he's played top nine minutes this year for the Rangers. A little bit with Panarin. You know, he's... He's another guy I could see the Flyers liking a lot, and that pretty much is the writing on the wall for a guy like Tyler Pitlick, because Fast is just a better Pitlick. He um reminds me of like the typical Lane Vigneault type guy, mm-hmm. right? So I wouldn't be mad at I wouldn't be mad at Jesper Fast at all. Actually, I'd prefer him I think over uh, Granlin. I don't think he'll get paid as much. Granlin's a really really good player. Yeah, uh, Granlin command a little bit north of 4.5 i think so i i don't think he's going to sign very cheap no yeah so foss is a nice player man i'm going to write that name down that's a guy to look out for yeah he's another one of the guys i'm excited for but you know a lot of these names two to three years ago i'm saying are super unrealistic but this is the weirdest offseason we're ever going to have you know these players are going to want to sign somewhere for a year because they understand not a lot a lot like a lot of really talented guys are not going to get re-signed by their clubs. A lot of guys are going to be able to, you know, they're going to be available for pennies. You know, Tyler Johnson in, ta- in Tampa, the, every team knows he's not going to be able to join that team next year. Okay. There's no way they can fit him and Kalorn in the cap. So realistically, they're going to be able to be had for pennies. And that's another guy the Flyers could look at. It's not just free agency where there's going to be some sexy names. There's going to be a lot of contending teams that cannot fit these guys in their cap. Vegas and Tampa right now are in a real hellhole of a cap crunch. I think you could take advantage of the position you're in. Yeah, I mean, why not bring both over? Go get Shaq Kirk and bring in Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson's a guy I've I've wanted the Flyers to. I don't know if I've 
wanted them to get him, but he's always been a guy where I'm like, hey, the Flyers could kind of use a guy like that, you know? Like he's a he's a he's very a super skilled guy. Yeah, he knows his role too, you know. Play the second, third line C spot. He's a very good player, man. He gets yeah, he's well done. aware. He's five foot nine, I want to say, but he he plays it really well. I mean, I remember that when that triplets line first came out, and Nikita Kucherov, Tyler Johnson, and Andre Palat, and they they were on fire, you know. They and he to this day, Tyler Johnson's still pretty. I mean, he his numbers have dipped a little bit, but he's a really exciting offensive player. So I think come Friday. I don't want to say the Flyers are making a move immediately. I think they can be kind of patient and wait some of these teams out. I don't know. I think there's more of a chance that they're going to trade, you know, a later round pick for a player like Tyler Johnson than they are of, you know, signing a Mikael Granlund or a Mike Hoffman. But I think all those options are on the table. And Chuck said as much. If it makes sense for the team, he's going to do it. Yeah, I like that approach. You know, I don't he, he's got a plan. But he's going to wait and see because I mean, let's face it, this roster is basically filled out. You know, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to do anything crazy to fill fill out the roster. You know, he doesn't have to go out. He doesn't have to go out and get a guy. You know, he's got options. Like we said, the the biggest position of need is the top four defenseman spot. Now, let me ask you a question here, because before Matt Niskanen retired, the biggest need for me was the third centerman spot. And, you know, we can hope and pray Nolan Patrick's going to come back, but you can't count on him, right? You can't. Uh, so how would you fill that spot? Would would you definitely go out in the free agency and fill it? Is there a specific trade that you'd like to see? Or, you know, there may not be an AHL season next year. And I know a lot of teams are sending players overseas to play. Would you kind of try Morgan Frost out right away to see how he does, if he can take hold of that role? Or do you think he's not maybe cut out for that center spot? I think it more depends on how A.V. views his third line. You know, if he wants it to be a scoring line, I think Frost is a great option. I mean, in his short time with the Flyers last year, I think he played nine to ten games. He drove play every game. His his stats and his his fancy stats, which I'm not very privy to, were unbelievable. I mean... And he passed the eye test, too. Every game, he looked great. His only hole was, you know, not playing quite at that pace. You know, at the NHL, it's so fast. The pace is insane, and you have to make plays half a second. And he just wasn't quite there yet. And I think, by all by all means, he could. Um, before Matt Niskanen retired, I, uh, I was really on board with this. And I don't know how realistic it was, but... When I looked at options for trading Shingasa Spare, you could look at it as, you, you know, get what you can for him, grab a pick, free up that cap space. That's the best you're going to get. Or Shingasa Spare is a really talented player who is not fitting in in his current team. And there was, there was another third line center who really talented, wasn't fitting in with his team. And that was Max Domi in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I was really on board with a ghost for Domi swap. I know, Montreal had been scouting Ghost for a while. That's a guy they liked, and Philly liked Max Domi. He obviously has his ties here to Bobby Clark. So I thought that was a real realistic option. Obviously, Max Domi's heading to Columbus for Josh Anderson, and he's now signing an extension. So that's a little bit unrealistic. But now looking at the 3C, I'd rather solve it in-house if you can. But you expect this team to compete for a Stanley Cup. You better have a third-line center. And... I think given the flat cap, you kind of have the luxury of 
if Frost or Nolan Patrick aren't working out, once that deadline hits, there's going to be players available because players are in such, you know, tight cap positions. So that's a good point. I think you can be kind of patient. I don't think you have to go out and give Granlund six mil for a year and say, hey, we need you to do this. You know, I think you can give it to Patrick. And by a lot of the things I'm hearing, and I know there hasn't been a lot out, but there's a lot of Canadian media that really believe he's healthy. And that's why there's a lot of buzz around that Winnipeg Patrick line deal right now. So, you know, I'm pretty confident that Patrick's going to play. But again, unless you're guaranteeing me, I mean, I'm not going to pencil it in. So I think I'd rather take my chances hoping Patrick's okay, but giving the minutes to Morgan Frost and just kind of waiting and seeing unless a trade like Tyler Johnson makes sense. I agree. I think I want them to to solve it in-house. So we've been hearing about, you know, Morgan Frost for two, three years now and let him go. Like take the, take the training wheels off. Let's see what he's got. You know, if it doesn't work out, I highly doubt Morgan Frost is going to be the reason that you're losing a lot of games, you know? So try it out. Like you mentioned, if things aren't working out by the trade deadline, there's, I think we're going to see a lot of trades. Even even between now and maybe free agency, teams are going to be kind of jockeying for cap position. Um, so definitely by the trade deadline, if teams aren't in it and their cap is essentially fucked the next year or two, I think we're going to see some some trades for sure. Yeah, I was I was promised by some uh, some scouts that GMs were you know dealing with loaded guns and were ready to blow, and we saw one trade on draft day, so they <laughs> yeah. better start coming soon because I was expecting a lot more than this. Yeah, it seemed like there was a lot more smoke than fire this year. Uh, it see, I feel like it's getting like that every year. Like every year, like we're glued to the TV for draft day, like more more so for trades, and there's like none. Like Matt Murray gets traded for. You know, John Gruden or, or some shit. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. it's kind of anticlimactic. But uh, I think on that same episode where I mentioned Forster at 23, I mentioned that if I was GM, of the, if I was Chuck Fletcher, I would kind of wait things out. The only move that I would really go out and try to make would be to move Gossespierre. And even if that meant for like a second or third pick or – you know, some combination of three and a four, whatever it may be, just to get that 4.5 off the books, give myself a little bit of flexibility, you know, try out a couple kids on the roster and like Frost on uh, the third C line and or Patrick if he's healthy uh, and then give guys like Bunneman, Lazinski a chance. Uh, I don't think Wade Redden's going to be able to make the team this year. I think they got too many wingers, but hey, if, wait, if you can make the Oh, I'm wait, sorry, wait, not Allison. Wade Redden, uh, Wade Allison. Sorry, <laughs> holy shit, Wade Redden, that's a name, dude. <laughs> wow, uh, it's getting late over here. Uh, yeah, I would like to see them solve problems in-house, give them a half a season, and if it's not working out, teams are, you know, like like I mentioned already, teams are going to want to shake things up. Teams, It happens every year. Teams will underachieve, you know, teams will overachieve. And uh, teams will start panicking at the trade deadline. Maybe maybe a team like the the Jets, if they haven't traded Line A yet, they kind of lose a little bit of leverage if they wait till trade till they trade them. So yeah, because maybe this contract's coming up. That that well, always that loses you a lot of a lot of leverage. Exactly. So you know maybe there's pressure on them to to do it now because if they don't trade him now, his you know they he kind of loses a little bit of value. I mean unless he comes out and lights it up during the season, but. You know, that's like worst case scenario or best, however you want to look at it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my plan. 
let things kind of fall into place. I mean, this was before the Niskanen retirement, obviously, but uh, now they need to go out and get a guy. But everything else kind of let the dust settle, let things play out, and go get a guy at the trade deadline. Yeah, hadn't Matt Niskanen not retired, I think you would have saw something similar to what you saw at pick number 60 today, where Los Angeles traded pick 60 to New York for Elias Anderson. Mm, that's so, you know, a nice trade. He, he was a seventh overall pick, I want to say, in 2017. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's got some potential. I think that was a, a deal you may have seen Ghost go in. Maybe not 60th overall. He may have been like a late third, early fourth. But uh, now I think you kind of need Ghost unless you're going to go trade for a guy. And, I mean, speaking of trading for a guy, and since we mentioned him, you know, there's been more than just a little smoke around Patrick Laine. From everything I've heard, Philly for the first time is a front runner for a guy who you know the fan base has been clamoring for, who is 22 years old, who has a really bright future ahead of him. Um, there's a lot of debate right now on Flyers Twitter and a lot of debate in general because you you want to bring this guy in because he could be a big impact to the team, but you don't want to give your entire future to do it. You know, I think you're centering it around uh, Phil Myers or a Travis Sanheim, and if you do that, you're banking on Shane Gossespierre returning to form. Or you're hoping Cam York is a top four defenseman in his rookie year. You know, you're creating a huge hole in your defense. So, and that's only one of the three players you're going to have to move for Line. A. So I, I want Line a big time. I, I think I would pull the trigger on a deal centered around Sanheim. And I think it would include, you know, maybe Sanheim, Morgan Frost, and a first or a Scott Lawton, whatever they would be asking for. I'd pull the trigger on that considering how good uh, a forward Line a is. But I think people have to kind of have to slow the roll and realize it's going to create a huge, huge hole on the roster when you trade for a guy like Patrick Laine. And I want it to happen, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult. And there's a lot of moving pieces, and I think that's why we haven't seen anything happen yet. What do you, uh, what do you think about Laine? Uh, he's an exciting player, man. He could put the puck in the net, and you have a lot of guys out there. Oh, yeah, but he's he doesn't play a complete game. He only plays in one zone of the ice, and you know, like the Flyers are a team and they're a system filled with two-way forwards, right? Mm-hmm. And the last thing that I, I want to hear is a 40-goal scorer doesn't play defense. Because I don't care if he doesn't play defense. If he's putting the puck in the net 40 times a season, I really don't care. Like, I want to see goals. I want to be entertained. As selfish as that is, I, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I think uh, I would have agreed with that take before, but Lainey had an all-around year this year, and that's where I'm a little bit more lenient. You know, he wasn't – he didn't score 40 goals. I think he had high 20s, low 30s, but he had more assists than goals, 63 points in 69 games, I want to say. And from a lot of people in Winnipeg, he had his best all-around year. So I'm not overly concerned about his compete level because I heard he worked his bag off every game. And I heard he played defense in addition to provide an offense. So I'm not that's not a worry for me anymore. It was last year, maybe. I mean, the kid's what, twenty-two years old? Like years old. Yeah. Of course of course he's got to work on his game. And if he can show signs of getting better, like okay, like this is a guy you want. Uh hundred and thirty eight goals and he's only twenty two years old. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, this is a this guy can score. He can flat out score. And you know what's crazy? And I'm not talking shit on Flyers Twitter or anything, but since I've been in this Flyers Twitter universe, all I see is, man, we haven't had a sniper since Simone Gagne, or wouldn't it be nice to have a sniper? All of a sudden, the Flyers are front runners for a sniper. 
And it's like, well, he doesn't play in all three zones of the <laughs> ice, or we don't need a guy. I'm like, oh, my God, like my head's going to explode. I don't get it. Um, yeah, go get this guy. So you mentioned, uh, like, that's the thing, right? Because if it does involve a player like Sanheim or Myers, like, you just can't do it. Like, you really just can't. Especially now that Niskanen's gone, it just it wouldn't make sense for the Flyers to do. And I wonder if that's what's holding things up, right? Because yeah. A trade that I had heard, and I've I've heard this, these same two players like multiple times from multiple people or sources, whatever we want to call it. Uh, I've heard Nolan Patrick come up a lot, right? And you know, if you want to go and do your own connecting of the dots and whatnot, guys, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and another player that I heard mentioned in that was a Shane Gossespierre, and. He would be a player that Winnipeg would be taking a shot on, right? Because he's been kind of hurt the last couple of years, and you know. But he can man a power play, which if you look at the Jets' defense, they don't have a Neil Pionk uh, is the best guy they have. Right, they don't have a guy that can move the puck and shoot the puck on a power play, so they could use a Gossespear, a healthy Gossespear, which is what they're kind of uh, talking him up as. Well, he's healthy now, blah blah blah. Um, and then what do you add to that, you know? Nolan Patrick, a former second overall pick. Sure, he sat out all last season. Uh, but you're like you mentioned, you're hearing it in Canadian news uh, outlets that he's healthy. He's been – from what I've heard, he's been using the Winnipeg Jets uh, facilities, whatever. There's some kind of agreement in place. So uh, you, we, I think we mentioned earlier in the show, he has he's from Winnipeg. Like his, his uncle's coaching up there. His, his father's up there. I heard, I heard that his family wants him closer to home so they can keep tabs on him. I don't know okay. what that, don't know what that really means, but um, I don't know. That's why I keep hearing Nolan Patrick connected to Winnipeg. It's and it's, you know, Nolan Patrick, Oscar Spare, and I guess add in whatever you want to add in. I heard Scotty Lawton's name float out there today. As much as I love Scotty Lawton, he's my favorite player on this team. And he's like, you know, he's like a Swedish, uh, what's that? What's the Swedish knife? Uh, Swiss Army knife. <laughs> Swiss Army knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a Swedish Army. You had the general continent down. <laughs> <laughs> the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I mean, I love Lawton, but, you know, send them over for Patrick Laine, you know? Mm-hmm. I- I'm doing it. Just go get him. Like the Flyers couldn't score in the playoffs, so they need Patrick Line. And that, I feel like that's not an overreaction either. No, I don't think it is. You know, because people that's like the cool thing. You're just overreacting because they couldn't score in the it was just a small sample size in the playoffs. Dude, other teams were scoring. So what's the excuse? Tell me what's the excuse? The Flyers couldn't score. They don't have a guy that they can rely on to put the puck in the net. They don't have anybody offensively where the other team's like, oh, shit, this guy's on the ice. They don't have that guy. I really don't think they do. The closest thing you had to that was Kevin Hayes in the playoffs. Yeah. He's and the only he's, guy I would have been scared of if I was a New York Islanders. Yeah, and, and he's not even really supposed to be that guy, you know? Like, if you get a Patrick Line, it's like, well, we got to watch this guy. And, you know, that's a thing. Because now, uh, whatever, man. Like, when you have another team sniper on the ice – all five guys know where this guy is, right? Yeah, and that's when you start space for your other players on the line too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I say do it. Yeah. Adam, Lawton, Patrick, uh, Gossespierre, send them all. I I like 
I was going to say I like all three of those guys. I like Patrick. I like Lawton. Dude, send them up. If they all have success up there, that's fine. If Patrick Line is scoring 40 goals a year, I don't care. Yeah, l- let me say when you mentioned the, uh, you know, you're getting used to the Flyers Twitterverse where, you know, they're they're freaking out about a guy who doesn't play defense and whatnot. This isn't that type of situation where you're saying, well, I don't want to mortgage the future for the now. He's fucking 22. Yeah. He is the now. He's the future. And he's 10 years from now, still the, still the now. So that argument is, isn't, I'm, I'm not listening to that anymore. You know, I'm not worried about mortgaging prospects for line A because, this roster's filled out now. These nine to ten prospects that we have that are going to make the roster, they're not all going to be on this team. So now is the point where you start seeing, you know, you got your A tier and you got your B tier. You start moving the best players from the B tier, maybe a low A tier for these guys for line A. So maybe a Ratcliffe, maybe a Frost. You know, you don't want to move Morgan Frost, but I think that's a guy Winnipeg would really be interested in. Um, I don't think Gossip Bear makes a lot of sense for Winnipeg. I, I definitely think they could take a gamble on him. I think, I personally, I think he would succeed there. But if you're going to move a 22-year-old second overall pick in line, who's already scored 40 goals, if I'm Winnipeg and it's centered around Ghost, I'm really pissed off. Yeah. So I don't think I'm doing the deal on my end if Phil Myers is involved because I see Phil Myers as Provorov's D partner for the next 10 to 15 years. I agree. If it's one for one, sure, but that's not going to happen. So Sanheim's always been my centerpiece for this. He's another Manitoba kid who I think would look really good in Winnipeg. I think at best here, what he's going to be is our number three behind Prover Robin Myers. I think eventually we'll be able to replace Myers. You're not going to be able to, or Sanheim, you're not going to be able to replace him this year because that's a huge hole you made. You know, you just hope Linus scores enough to where that, you know, you cancels it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always thought a package of Sanheim really makes sense. Nolan Patrick, I don't... I mean, if, if that's what they're looking for, then I'd consider it. But I, I don't know how, if you're Winnipeg, you take a chance on a kid who hasn't played in a year. And he looked good in his first two years. He didn't look great, but that was under 20 years old, and he's on 30 points a year. Um, I think if, if a trade like Patrick, Sanheim, and a first goes down and everyone hits their ceiling, I think Winnipeg maybe wins that deal a little bit. But I think that's a risk I'm willing to take because we have players. uh, I mean, we don't have players or prospects to the tier of Frost, but I think if you're getting a goal scorer, that kind of, you know, it washes itself out in there. Um, Sanheim, Frost, and Lawton, I think, is the most expensive package I'm willing to send to Winnipeg. I don't think I'm adding anything to that. I think that's the best thing I'm willing to offer. You know, that's a... A top four defenseman, a potential top six center, potential top three center, and a third line center that's going to be really good for your team. I think that's the most I'm giving Winnipeg. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something Fletcher has offered already. Yeah. And Winnipeg just has such a sky-high asking price that it's really stalled talks. I think that's kind of been the consensus is Winnipeg is asking way more than anyone's willing to pay. And I don't blame them. That's, that's your second overall pick. He scored 40 goals already. He's probably going to do it again. I, I I mean, I wouldn't do it if I was Winnipeg. I would hold on to the kid and see if he pans out. But um, yeah. I think that's a realistic offer for Line A. I don't think I'm adding any more to that. And if it doesn't get done, find someone else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So he's not really a need, right? Like, 
Not, he would, not, not he, if you're going to play the AV system of anyone can score, because I don't think a goal score is really needed in that system, but it's such a nice luxury. I know. Yeah, and I want him, so don't get me wrong, but if we're looking at the roster, it's like, well, why overpay for this guy when we don't really need him? Like, we want him because we like goals and we want to score, um, but we don't really need him, so... Yeah, when it gets to the point where it's like, well, do I want to add in this guy? Do I want to add in that guy for something that I don't necessarily need? Like, we need a top 4D. I just feel like if if they do move Ghost and or they do move Sandheim, they're kind of putting themselves into a corner, like on D. Like, when Hextall was, when Hextall was here, he kind of built the team from the net out, right? He, he was drafting goalies, defense, and now they got Hart in the net, finally. Provorov's up here, Myers, Sanheim. Yeah, more guys in the stall with Zamuli, York. Now they draft this kid, Andre. They got Hogberg, just came up, Wyatt Wiley. Like, all these guys are coming up, but there's like a little bit of a disconnect almost. Like, they might need to move one of these young D to get a top scorer, or like, what should they do here? I think that Niskanen thing really threw a wrench in their plan there, because I feel like if Niskanen was still here, Maybe then you can move Sandheim, and maybe you're able to bump Ghost up to play with Niskanen for a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're in a tough spot. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, I'll, I'll be, I got to be honest with you. I'll be happy either way. I think I th- everything Chuck's done to this point, I've been happy with. So I'm interested to see what he's going to do. Yeah, line A or no line A, I think the team's going to be in a good position this year. All I ask of Fletcher, and I think he's going to do it is this is the last year of Carter Hart TLC. I want the cap maxed out to begin this season or at the deadline. I think this is the best chance you've had to win a Stanley Cup since 2010. On paper, this is the best chance you've had to win a Stanley Cup since 2004. So go take this chance because you know what Carter Hart is now. You're very confident that he in the playoffs. Maybe that's why you didn't swing for the fences last year and you just got like, you know, good leaders, but not very exciting players, you know, that weren't going to push over the edge. This is the year where you know how good Carter Hart was in the playoffs. You know your your top guys are getting a little older and could use some offensive help, but you got some really exciting young players too. I think this is where you start swinging for the fences. I'm not saying trade your first round pick for fucking Martin Hansel or whatever Fletcher did back in 2015, <laughs> but this is where you start taking a chance. Start taking a few shots, get better than Derek Grant or get better than Nate Thompson and go try to win a Stanley Cup because this is the best chance you're ever going to have. You make a great point right there with the uh, Carter Hart contract. Yeah, this is as cheap as he's ever going to be. So go out and try to win. That's a great point by you. So maybe we will see something because that makes a lot of sense. That's the hope. And, you know, we're running up on about an hour and 15 here. So I'm going to end it with one last thought. Cherry Hill's Bobby Ryan's a free agent. He didn't look bad at the end of last year. Tyler Pitlick, Derek Grant, Nate Thompson are leaving the team. They could use maybe one bottom six forward. Now, Wade Allison, Tanner Lachinsky, Isaac Ratcliffe, probably not. Um, was uh, Connor Bunneman, Noah Cates. You got a lot of exciting forwards here. But for nostalgia's sake, for the sake of 10 years of go get the guy, do you maybe take a shot on Bobby Ryan for cheap? I would love to see it. I really would. Yeah, why not, man? He's a great he, guy. He wants to play for Philly. He, you know, I think he really, really actually wants to come here, and he's best buddies with Claude Giroux. Yeah, bring him in. He deserves it, right? After everything he's been through, he came back. 
he wants to play for Philly, yeah, for sure. Give him a contract. And especially if, you know, if they're going to bring him in for cheap, I, I feel like it's a win-win. He didn't look like he had nothing left in the tank. He came back and scored a hat trick for yeah, Ottawa. Uh, yeah. I think I, he, I don't think he's going to be a 20-goal scorer or more, but I think he can give you some decent production in the bottom six for maybe a Miller less a year if he's willing to take it to come home. Yeah, I'm for it. Bring him in. Yeah, Bobby Ryan. Cherry Hill zone, baby. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts before we close up this uh, the show? Yeah, just uh, check out the website, guys, hwhockey.net. Check out some of the older shows we just put out. Uh, if you guys want to get caught up on some prospects, we did two prospect shows last week, one with Russ Cohen on Full Circle, and we had Marco Diamico on the prospect show. I think it was on Sunday last week. A lot of info in those shows, guys. Get caught up on the guys that were drafted. Uh, we did a mock draft over the weekend, see how we did. I'm not proud of my performance, but it was a good job overall. Ah, dude, I <laughs> I don't think I did so great either. Uh, I did see Marco hit on a couple picks though for teams, which was pretty impressive. Uh, Dan yeah, Silver, I think, also perfect. did a great job. Dude, he's a great dude, isn't he? Yeah, he nailed shout, it. Shout out to Marco there. Uh, yeah, check out hwhockey.net, guys. Everything's on there. All right, well, for Jim, for myself, Josh, thank you for tuning into the Bright Side, and we'll see you next time. Go Flyers.